Right, Jeremy, you're milking the canary. Okay, here we go. Kia ora and welcome to 76 Small Rooms, a podcast about architecture from Aotearoa, New Zealand. My name's Jeremy, I'm here with Tash, Arch and Matt, and this week, or this episode, we're talking about what I think is one of Auckland's best new public spaces, or possibly the best new Auckland public space, Freiburg Place, which was designed as a result of a collaboration between artist John Reynolds and the landscape architects at Isthmus Group. This was a redevelopment of a space that was originally designed by Pattersons, redesigned by Pattersons, and I think way back in the early 2000s, but mm-hmm. it had to change that exact yeah. um, It was long and painstaking and also involved the redevelopment of the beautiful modernist Ellen Melville Hall by T. Bordonna that was restored by Stevens Lawson Architects. Arch and Tash and I went down to the square one day recently to talk with John Reynolds about how this fantastic civic project and the unlikely collaboration between an artist and a landscape architecture firm came about. John, how does it feel to be here today, Friday lunchtime? Oh, fantastic, yeah. It's there are so many people sitting around yeah. and using it. You must feel it's a success. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think um, uh, what... what uh, Secretly, and this was a great anxiety as the, as the construction um, went proceeded. I got increasingly anxious. In fact, the, the builders used to find sort of standing at the wire fence, you know, staring at. And I think they initially thought I was I was uh, you know uh, uh, watching them to see if they were working or something. And they finally understood it. I had no interest in their activity. <laughs> I was just anxious that we'd got the design decisions correct. And one of the things is like I kept thinking that. You know, I want to be able to walk in here and think I'm in Melbourne. I want to think I'm. I'm. Uh, this is not. That might sound. That might sound. I'm, I'm being slightly counterproductive there. It's, and, and yeah, that possibly sounds a little bit. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, I'm hoping we've achieved something that that, that merely something more than than a makeover of a, of an old loved space. I wanted to just take you back to a question about the design of possible. Oh yes, um, yes. It's been described, um, and I don't know by who, but I like the analogy as the exploded Spanish step. Yes. yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that, your that was absolutely yes. Um, that that was um, when we initially took um, two very hasty drawings that I'd showed Ismus. This is literally four years ago, and Ismus looked at them and loved them because. Uh, I wish I had a copy of them. Uh, they were literally uh, A4 sheets with marker pen, where I'd um, drawn uh, a cacophony of, of, of steps and terraces with trees amongst them. And um, I saw this as, you know, many years ago in the 90s, I was lucky to travel to small towns in Spain and so forth. And I understood the city operating and the, and the cultural operation of a kind of a promenading area where groups of men and groups of women, this has been Spain, they tend to to do this thing, um, congregated in the cities. There were often cars around there, but it was an area like this where there was no parking. There were trees and there were steps, and this is a you know a medieval centre city. Um, but I regarded this as a fundament of the human uh, social um, capacity. So anyway, I presented these two drawings somewhat apprehensively to um, uh, Isthmus, and they just took them straight to council and said this is what this is our proposal this is what we're doing council had never seen anything like it they were expecting to see something much more uh, reasonable and incremental and um, but they they could see the argument because they did yeah that term of exploded step, Spanish steps had some appeal in terms of a soundbite in terms of a kind of a um, an idea about public space um, I tried to make it more reasonable in the sense of talking about uh, a, a musical forms and of course a, a sort of geomorphic 
um, integrity of this of the play of um, the volcanic material coming down from uh, Albert Park and into the, the Queen Street Valley, um, and then to talk in more in more general terms about the, the operation of High Street as uh, an access way from from you know people off cruise ships, um, you know, the, the the culture that exists here. Um, the, the unique kind of structure around several um, you know, uh, roadways and so forth um, that we really had to um, we had to compress the space and this again the council hated this term because I all I talked about social collision rather than this Anglo-Saxon idea that you provide a space for e people egress you, you people want to walk somewhere so the Anglo-Saxon wants to go we've got to go and go to the post office to post a letter the, the, the more the Latin way in public space is you linger and you stare at people and you bump into people. And uh, so I use those words like collision, social collision. And I also use the word, um, what was that, what's that term I used? Uh, um, I wanted to compress the space in the sense that we, instead of creating some openness, that we actually, we constrain, we met the constraints of the space and we, we, we actually walk those up a little bit more. So this was actually yeah, very much a design principle. And this was an anathema to the, to the design. So we went through several, design teams uh, wearing them out for this argument and they wore me out um, but in their bewildering way they make decisions no one quite yeah. managed to say no they were discouraging but they couldn't quite work out how to, to reject it and then because you know there's once the, these things the funding gets put aside the political decision gets made the thing I think even against I don't think council knew what they were getting even when we were actually designing and going through the public Places, they really didn't understand what we were doing. So, in, in lots of ways, what we have here is, I think, probably, probably Mark four or five. Um, it, it, it is, and, and my criticisms of the design is that the two island elements were fundamentally detuned for the for the for the roadway access. Um, we had another design where there was even more steps around this tree instead of those rubbish bins. Um, I think, I think the rubbish truck people managed to fight us on that one. But, you know, in lots of ways, we were, we, what I discovered was this, this, this is this unique kind of um, uh, accidental portal you can get through. The usual councils, council says no, because we've got all these steps here and tremendous sort of drops and heights, and yet there's no handrails. And the way we, we simply said it's an artwork, you, there's no handrail. We haven't, you know, we're having these, these are, we're putting lights in, but we, we've got, this is not, this is not, you don't have, this is no, there's no egress. The normal rules don't apply. And luckily, council had no comeback to that. The artwork, I, I realised that this is a this is the card you can play. John, there was a real um, cast of collaborators on yeah. this project, from Stephen Dawson and Smith, who you've already mentioned, to some of the artists that like Isaiah Hanna yes, and, yes. and Graham Tippin, yeah, yes. and of course Nati Fatwa yeah, or Ara, yeah, I think, as yeah. well. How did you all work together on the project? Well, um, there were ups and downs. Yeah. Um, I think f first up, um, uh, you know, starting from the centre out, um, you, my partnership with with uh, Isthmus was absolutely fabulous. I think that you know I'm mostly again working with with Sarah and Nada, you know, and mostly mostly women. Mm. Um, although I'm a very good friend of David, and I found in in the weekly meetings we were having with council, the design team, and they're very fraught that it was a deep pleasure to be one of the girls in that. Um, you know, we had a particular kind of energy in, mm -hmm. in the meeting. And of course, me being an artist, I could be, I could break the, the more, more fixed conversations, the, the politicized conversations. I could be rude and, and off point and so forth. And that was, um, that was fine. So, um, so, you know, I developed what I would call a real friendship with, with my colleagues at Isthmus. And 
uh, you know, I genuinely hope that I'll be doing more projects with them. I've worked up in the past with them, but so that that, that first was was critical that that they understood me, I understood mm. them, and we had a great dynamic together. Um, secondly, with Steve Lawson, um, I'm very old friends of Nick and, and, and Gary, and again, it was the I working with you know um, the, the women <laughs> in their team. Um, you know, this was a very uh, you know my the, the, the Lisa fantastic was from the council was well, I mean I don't want to over, overdo it, but. It was a great team to be part of, um, and working with Lisa again was. Oh well, no, we won't get with Lisa. I'll go back to the other artists. You know, Lisa Rehana, of course, came on quite late. She was part of the, um, the, the quite late when the, when the hall became part of the overall project. But I've known Lisa since art school days, so you know that was that that was not only uh, you know a breeze and, and a very enjoyable, fantastic to see her work in, the, in, the, in as part of it. Um, in fact. While I think the council haven't made enough noises, this is a, a, a public upgrade, and there are three artists. You know, Graham. There's three, you know, and it's gone well. You know, there haven't there haven't been the usual bleatings about oh, you know, the artwork was has fallen off or over, or it's you know huge budget overruns because of the artist. And I think that's much as I'm I've probably been vociferous and a, a little bit um, shouty. Yet. I one of my real core ambitions with this, and I've tried to speak with Lisa about this, is that I, I really want a council to feel that they got good value out of me, that they that working with a contemporary artist can be a really um, beneficial and, um, you know, valuable process, and that we're not all narcissistic and egocentric and, you know, um, uh, monolith, you know, uh, uh, myopic and, um, we, we are, of course, but, but uh, we can pretend yeah. to be reasonable people. Um, but I wanted that to be a win. And I also, I also was quite keen on, I have a secret agenda with this project, before I get back to your question. Uh, and one of those things is that I want a broader public and the council to understand that contemporary art can be, and public art, can be something other than a bronze plonk down bit of sculpture. Mm -hmm. That an idea is as viable and can be as enriching for the public experience as a bit of bronze. And that I wish to really um, foreground that uh, that argument with um, over the next few years, hopefully, with with the council and with, and with the wider public. Um, I call this just sort of civic art rather than public because instead of it being an artwork that's put in a public space, I, I, I like to imply civic means that it, 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 it um, responds to the constraints and capacities of a public situation mm -hmm. and that is that the success or failure of the work, the artwork, is embedded in its um, uh, you know, the, the constraints of that particular space and the dialogue with, with that space. So um, I think that that, in a broader sense, you know, if I achieve something like that, even a uh, tiny aspect of that, then th that'll be successive of the, of the collaboration. There's so, quite a bit of discussion around this being um, a, a space that will be used by uh, residents and in fact, yes. a, as a community hub for Absolutely. people living in the city yeah. centre. Is that something that you're quite mindful about in the design well, process? One of the things that I, I, I personally argue for constantly is the moment a building goes up around here and it's an apartment building, you know, I think you, I mean, just today in the Herald there was an announcement about the new um, 57 floor uh, Melbourne-based one going up. Now this is this is so good on every level. The moment you have residents in an inner city, you change the street culture. You change the fabric of the streets. You create situations where people want to sit, and it's not that Anglo-Saxon, you know, um, A to B thing. Um, and it, it also means that you don't get a deserted. Uh, you know, city at six o'clock. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, that I grew up in that six o'clock. This place was this was a disaster, an empty, empty place. And so, um, 
that's uh, that's an accelerated uh, um, moment, and it's one of the. I think Patrick was quoted as saying in the paper that one of the um, the downsides of the urban uh, the new um, what's that called that plan the, um, the unity plan yes. was that the NIMBY successfully um, corralled um, vertical development as around in the CBD or around you know just on transport um, um, nodes. And this meant, in some ways, I think that's a good thing because it means that we're going to get more residential um, intensification in the CBD. And that is totally a win for even these retailers that were shouty at us. They're going to win out of that. And, and, you know, we're going to see the suburban malls, like in America, are going to be under um, increased um, uh, pressure with Amazon and the internet and so forth, changing retail patterns. But the CBD is going to, like again America, urban CBDs around the world are enjoying a great renaissance. And, and Auckland is having it. No matter how tiny, it is having it. And um, what we have to do is absolutely cultivate in a city living. Um, and this leads me on to <laughs> an opportunity <laughs> to uh, rail against what I see as, uh, uh, what I once understood as a viable policy. I call it incrementalism. I think that's the term that council designers have spoken to me about. That we will, they always use it, we will win this battle against the motor, private motor car and the CBD. That we, are going to, that we will eventually get this, the private motor vehicle out of the CBD and the course traffic will still be here, so the deliveries and so forth, and public transport will be emphasised. But the idea is to, like most other major urban cities in the world, um, car dependency is is declining, and uh, any urban conurbation that regards itself as livable um, absolutely prioritises um, public transport and uh, pedestrianisation. So this, I accepted this argument of incrementalism, that, that one had to say, you had to help, you had to lead Aucklanders and, and slow-witted retailers forward. <laughs> and now I've decided that, fuck them. Uh, I, I think that's a bogus strategy, and you know, and I, I'm now starting to have some appreciation of the idiots on the right, like Mike Hoskins, that actually, no, you just tell the truth. You keep shouting at these people, and you don't accept the precepts of some bogus idea that, well, if we go slowly, we'll take the majority with us. You know, I think we're in the 20th century, 21st century, you know, 17 years ago that the 20th century ended. We have to move on this. This is a question, actually a question of public health as much as anything else. And we have to help lead a recalcitrant and um, dinosaur population that regards that their, their God-given right to drive their Audi SUVs around the inner city. It ain't, and it won't be. And um, I, I'm happy to be the poster boy as a vociferous, angry old man on the other side of this argument. <laughs> um, so there we go. I've, I've managed to wind myself up again, so I apologize for that. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so that was artist John Reynolds talking to us about his collaboration with Isthmus Group, the landscape architects, in creating Auckland's revamped Freiburg Place. Tash, you're an urban designer yourself. What do you think of the new Freiburg Place? I think, think it's really successful and, and you know the true measure of that was the number of people um, using the space while we were there. I mean mm. people coming and going, having their lunch, stopping to meet. Um, so uh, yeah, I, th I think it's obviously really working. Um, I think the one of the um, great things about the space is the way that it 
recognises the kind of the, the underlying topography and the, the volumetric potential of that area. Um, John talked about um, sort of often there's this need to sort of empty out space and, and make it very flat and uniform, but this doesn't. It sort of really responds to these other qualities, and I think that makes it quite special. Mm. Um, and we need that kind of um, dynamic and difference in terms of the quality of our spaces within the city. Yeah, I love that note he had about talking about Anglo-Saxon occupation of space, which is <laughs> Anglo-Saxons already always going somewhere, and uh, Latin occupation of space, which means lingering on steps, and how he's tried to push Auckland into a more Latin philosophy. Um, I found that really interesting. Yeah. Also interesting, he's got such a being as bonnet about cars, understandably being able to use that space, which I think personally is a disgrace, but the way the square is designed, um, we were talking to him what, for an hour and a half, mm. and I think one one vehicle went yeah. through on that entire time. The guy in a ute. Did John throw himself in front of it? Um, <laughs> he was not impressed, but we had to remind him that that was the only vehicle that had yeah. been through on that time. Um, Arch and Matt, what do you think of that space? Are you enjoying it as a kind of civic addition to the city? I've walked through it a few times and it's very good. I just think the, the very Anglo-Saxon thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that as I walked through it. Um, I quite talk, listen to you then, Tash. The, the the fact that Metropolis behind it used to be sort of walled off, and now yeah. even that, even though that's so overscaled to the square. Um, and it sort of sits in the background a bit, but it's now much better connected and mm. sort of, you know, there's um, ability to get up that hill and, and, um, and engage with Metropolis, so it makes it feel like a much better bit of the city. But going back to the car thing, it's sort of, High Street's really standing out now, right? Because High Street hasn't been pedestrianised and yeah. O'Connell has, and now the O'Connell Street retailers have presented a petition to the council asking for the street to remain permanently closed to traffic. Yeah. Which is a big change because the retailers tend to be the ones that resist the loss of car park spaces mm -hmm. outside their stores. Yet paradoxically benefit most from the removal of cars, yeah. ultimately. This is the frustrating paradox. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah, I think the I agree with you about the cars, you know, and it is a huge frustration, but. Um, the fact that, like you said, when we were there, so few vehicles, only one vehicle went through, is that it's sending a lot of signals that say you shouldn't come mm. through here. Whereas before we had, you know, we actually had a curb, a marking, you know, an encouragement of vehicles to come yeah. through. So even though now technically you're permitted, the square is really telling people you're not supposed to come through here, which hugely improves Absolutely. You know, the situation. And I think also, like, like Matt said, I really enjoy the way that it connects up to the, to the metropolis. And, and in many senses, um, it's quite a dribbly space. Mm. Like it's mm. not sort of crisply defined around its edges in a kind of classical European way. It bleeds all the way out. Mm. And in that sense, one of my favourite things about it is that it actually improves all its neighbours. Yep. Which is a, a remarkable mm. thing for a space, you know, the thing between the buildings to actually achieve. Mm. It's great. And it was also a riot talking to John. Because he's just, <laughs> yes. um, he's a tough edit. <laughs> but um, but it, an easy interview. But an easy interview, because, you know, it was a fantastic talk to him. It was really great to hear from him directly. And I think you can really see the benefits of an artist who hasn't been invested in making civic spaces before in a formal sense, being invited formally into that process and really bringing a fresh perspective, which mm. I think is key to the success mm. of this project. Because it was him that was saying, no, but we have to do this, and we have to yeah. demand it be done that way. And yeah. this is an artwork, not a set of stairs. Um, and all those things that I think made people look at problems there differently. Yeah, we sort of yeah. disrupted what, uh, more a conventional process. Yeah. Mm.
Well, and he was uniquely positioned to do that. <laughs> yeah, Sometimes absolutely. as a professional you need to be a bit more polite. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, we'll bump into those people again. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that's the job of an artist, isn't it? Is to encourage us to look at things different mm. ways. So um, it was ideal for the job. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, as Arch might say, more dribbly spaces, please. <laughs> I'll print up the T-shirts. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of 76 Small Rooms. We'll hopefully be back soon with another. But in the meantime, we really appreciate you being with us. Kakite anō. Bye-bye. Bye.